0: You have to go the way your blood beats. If you don't live the only life you have, you won't live some other life. You won't live any life at all. James Baldwin Bending Not Breaking Pride and Avatar and welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I am your host, Ben Pruitt, and I have had such a lovely time engaging the Dragon Prince this past week, and I am really just eager to discuss pride in the Avatar-verse now. We had amazing guests, and I am truly grateful for Jesse, Rena, and Devin. And as we move forward into Avatar, you'll recognize several of our guests from previous episodes and some new guests as well. But I want to be clear, it is Pride Month, and we are celebrating full force by bringing you a lot of Pride content. So over the past week, we we released three episodes in one week, and we are planning to offer you the same this week, all centered on Avatar content. So we will be releasing episodes with discussions about our favorite Pride scenes, our ships, our moments, our headcanons, all in celebration of Pride Month. Now, these episodes don't follow the usual routine, but I am certain that you will enjoy them. There are some other things accessible to patrons that I will say uh, as well that we will be offering and have offered. Some of those have been videos of the conversations we have had with our previous guests and we'll continue to do so moving forward. So I hope you'll consider supporting us on Patreon to access those cool perks in addition to many more that we offer. And I hope you'll, you know, consider giving us a glowing review Uh, or both. Both is good. I really, I love both. Both is awesome. That being said, remember you can find our content on BNB underscore pod on all the social medias. Uh, But without further ado, it is time to listen and head on over to our guests. So let's head there and we'll be discussing Pride and the Avatar. Our first guest is going to be a returning guest that you all know and love and care about. Cameron Flairhelm is back in action, and we are glad you are here. How are you today, Cameron?
1: Yay, returning champion. I feel great. Returning uh, champion, it's, yes. <laughs> it's Pride Month. I have a haircut tomorrow. Things are good. Yes,
0: all good things. I love feeling like we're nice and on fleek with our hair. I yes. desperately need a haircut myself. Um, I might have to schedule one.
1: <laughs> I support uh, that. I support that endeavor.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, it's been a while since you've been on, because we've just haven't been putting out as many episodes on the main
1: feed. So how have you been? What's new for you? Um, Not a whole lot new. I've been, uh, my husband and I were sitting about a house, so we've been kind of dealing with a whole lot of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, And it, like, love it. Looks great now. Um, But we've been doing a lot of home improvement stuff uh, for the last few months. So that's pretty much what's consumed my entire life, Uh, along with trying to maintain, you know, friendships, relationships, all that stuff.
0: Turns out adulting is kind of (laughs) hard. Weird. Weird.
1: So no one told you life was going to be this way.
0: Yeah, I... You know what I did last night? This this is embarrassing because I knew about this and then forgot about this. But
1: this is a safe space.
0: Yeah, there's a reservoir under your washing machine that you're supposed to empty fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh and you know, there's a little like little thing where you open it. I was like, oh my goodness, I realized I haven't done that since I moved into this house. (laughs) And so it was like I opened it and pulled out the little hose and opened it, and then I started to throw up because of the smell. Um and so then it's bad
1: <laughs> I didn't know that there even was a reservoir under the washing machine that you're supposed to clean out you were blowing my mind and yep. now I'm afraid to check my own washing machine
0: yeah you're supposed to do that like once a month <laughs> so uh funny story uh yikes it's a big yikes um it smelled a little bit like death but that's a little bye I... so
1: <laughs> I'm so afraid to check my washing machine but now I have to
0: yeah uh but enough of uh the embarrassing moments for the house home improvement house things uh instead uh we're gonna all
1: that to say hi everybody my name's cameron my pronouns are he and his uh,
0: thank you that's perfect this
1: is bending not breaking yep all right well thank you again for
0: reintroducing yourself can you uh remind the people who may have forgotten since you know and rather, let's let's address our new listeners instead. But can you just tell our new listeners a little bit more about you and what's your relationship with Avatar?
1: So I watched Avatar as like as it was airing, which was kind of nuts. Uh, like n- I cannot imagine what a lovely feeling it is to be able to binge watch Avatar and not have to like try and keep up with continuity on a Nickelodeon afternoon and like like hope you catch the right episodes in the right order. Um, and so that's that was kind of my experience. It was my, uh, I caught it, you know, by chance after school, uh, when I should have been doing homework and then immediately tried to find the rest of it to watch, you know, DVDs and such back then. Um, and I caught, you know, episodes live. And then I, you know, Cora, same kind of thing. I as soon as I heard there was an avatar spinoff, I was following the news cycles around it. I was keeping it, I was staying on you know on top of who was cast and what the premise was going to be. And I was really excited for that. Watched all of that live, even when Nickelodeon shuffled it off to Nick.com and you know, all of that happened. Uh, I watched every episode week to week. And uh I yeah, that's kind that was uh i I've I'm huge into geek culture and a whole bunch of franchises. Avatar is one of them that I care very deeply about.
0: I love it. There's one of our other guests was talking about this and I interviewed them before I interviewed you, but you're going to be first. So it's fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They were talking about how they watched uh, Korra live, but they got to, they found Avatar first and then that's what got them hooked onto Korra. Um, oh, nice. so I just, I'm, I'm jealous of all of you who got to watch everything live and really just enjoy it all, uh, as it was coming out. Um, I remember I had a camper at summer camp who had shaved their head to have an arrow on top of their head and they, they came to camp and I was like, why is your hair like that? And I had no idea what it was back in the day because I, I had never seen the show. And I was like, I, oh, my gosh, like an interesting phenomenon. And like looking back, I'm like, I want to go hang out with that camper. Where where <laughs> where are they? Um, but but so, yeah, did.
1: time for a reunion just so you can find, <laughs> throw throw a camp reunion just to find that. find that person. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, that brings us to kind of my next question for you. Our, our episode today is about Pride, right? Because it's June, it's Pride Month, and we're excited and, and we're thrilled to kind of be a part of this movement and uh, share information and share stories. And I want to ask you kind of explicitly, what is your relationship with Pride and what does it kind of mean to you?
1: Sure. So I am a gay man and so my relationship to pride is is very you know it's personal to me. it matters and you know I, I feel I feel a little bit of complications around my relationship with pride, which we can talk about later as far as like what the pride you know has, what pride has become to a lot of companies and things like that. But yeah, as far yeah. as like the and what pride is about and when it where it started, I feel like a deep connection to that. Um, And I feel like it's super important for queer youth and just queer people generally to have a, a space, a moment in time annually, I mean, preferably daily, but at the very least one month a year where they feel like they can see that they matter.
0: At, at minimum one month a year. It seems like that's- Right. <laughs> like you only matter one month a year is uh, frankly- Right, it's too.
1: that kind of, it's that double-edged sword of like, you know, I imagine it's very similar to how some people feel around Black History Month that like, well, Black history is always important. And that is true. Queer history is always important. <laughs> like, everyone is important all the time. Yeah. Everyone's experience is valid. We just yeah. have the month of June to, you know, Buy merchandise.
0: Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is nice. It's nice to have merchandise from our, you know, brands we stand um that are as a
1: designer. I do, I have to get (laughs) I can't buy all of it because sometimes rainbows are not cute. (laughs) Like just throwing a rainbow on something, not always the best idea. But when it's done really well, I fully endorse it.
0: Here, here. I I will second that. That's (laughs) that sounds lovely. Okay, so we've talked about you, and now I want you to talk about what moment in the Avatar verse or scene or ship or uh, anything that you want to center on that relates to pride that we want to kind of focus our time on moving
1: forward. Sure. People, to people that know me, it will come as no surprise that I wasn't able to pick just one. I had (laughs) one all lined up, ready to go, took my notes, watched the episode and everything. And then uh, I was stuck in traffic on the way home to get on this this call to record with you. And I immediately, like I had this like brainwave of another moment. So I have two that I really want to talk about, but I think it is going to be better to start because we kind of already touched on this, I'll start with my uh, spontaneous uh, realization one, which is uh, a moment that really struck me. I remember when it was airing, and especially you know during this particular month of June, um, in the Legend of Korra, you know there they have the Pro Bending Team, the Fire Ferrets, which is Korra, Bolin, and Marco, and they get sponsored by Future Industries. It's the only reason they're allowed to keep competing uh because it's a big entry fee and all of this stuff and Asami really helps them out by getting her dad to sponsor them and uh I get uh, spoilers for season one of Legend of korra but it turns out that uh Hiroshi Sato Asami's father is anti-bender and <laughs> like very much he's part of the equalist movement and he has he like bankrolls them and he's there like Tech inventor guy uh, that kind of helps the equalists combat benders. So that strikes me during Pride Month in that this idea that corporations will throw a rainbow on things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they support you, and you have to be very careful with uh, who you trust, who you you know, who you decide to throw your patronage behind uh, as a consumer. Uh, And also just consumer culture generally. So that was what really struck me.
0: There's so much there that is just really incredible. And I I love that you're pointing us to this moment where Hiroshi is essentially using this as a way to create a front, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and I, I think that the it's the using that feels dirty right it's it's um, the facade of I care but I'm gonna use all of the money and bankroll and a recognition that you give me to subvert everything that
1: you're trying to do right and which feels very uh, prescient in I mean obviously in Pride Month generally where you know you have people throwing their, you know, edited rainbow logos on their social media channels for the US and the UK. But then you have, you know, other countries where their logo is very much standard and they do not talk about pride and they do not talk like, so how deep does the support really go? And, you know, what causes are are these companies donating to? And like, are they genuinely, I think it gets at, you know, allyship versus performative allyship on the most base level.
0: Absolutely. And that's something that I think is really worth visiting is that's that's why the term ally is not something that people can claim, it's something that is conferred and it can also be removed, it can be taken away, right? <laughs> and so I, it's something that people are, are given rather than people can claim. And I think that that's a, a really good example of like, e- I just had a complete left turn in my head. I, I was thinking about Chick Fil A now, so thinking about like, Ooh, let's
1: you, follow that thread.
0: You also know what companies aren't putting up Pride logos based off their history, right? And Chick Fil A is one, and where they have a very, very not healthy relationship with Pride. Um, in fact, yeah, with Pride the community Pride.
1: as a whole. Yeah, it, 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 that's. I mean, they're they're the most positive thing I can say about them is they don't. They at least they don't pretend, right. Yeah, Uh, that is the most positive thing I can say about that versus a company that will, you know, throw out a pride themed burger, but not necessarily there. Again, it's all about where the money actually goes.
0: Yeah, and and I think an example of this that is not to do with pride, but has to do with uh, just race relations is Walmart came out with a Juneteenth flavored ice cream. And if that doesn't make you cringe, then I don't know what will
1: because that's, do you know, do you know how many people had to approve that? That right? through so many people and nobody thought, hmm, maybe we should take a minute. Let's, yep. let's feel out the pulse on this.
0: To be fair, it was pulled very quickly once it reached public, but it's one of those right. things where I, that just, marks what's important in your leadership why don't you have people of color in your leadership that are vetting that as a hey don't be dumb
1: for a company like walmart i'm pretty sure we know exactly why they don't have anybody like that in the room uh yeah it it, speaking of you know juneteenth and all this stuff you see this co-opting of social justice very frequently i mean you saw it on a large scale in 2020 um, with, you know, when our country, uh, the United States was grappling with racial justice, um, you know, for a minute before everyone, I guess, moved on. But a lot of companies through, you know, changed, did did what we see a lot of in June for Pride, which is changing their logos on social media. They will, you know, engage with and share content from creators of that community. Uh, but it's just, it's not once the fad or the craze has passed or Pride Month is over, what have they done that is meaningful and impactful? And I think yeah, to, to get back to Avatar a little bit, Hiroshi really didn't do much except pay the fire ferrets entry fee and then they had to be walking billboards for him. They had to wear the Future Industries logo and Showing three big, important, you know, vendors on a platform like that, wearing the Future Industries logo, like that's, they're like NASCAR drivers, you know, and, and so I, that, that was what, that's where that connection got me.
0: And, and I think the, the word that comes to mind for this is integrity, which is in thinking about the, the difference between per, like professed values and practiced values, And to to have integrity is to have those two things aligned. And what we're seeing with these companies is there's a lack of integrity, right? And so that's the nature of the capitalism, right? Where we are seeing (laughs) the the problem of capitalism in this very relationship with with pride, right? We are going to use the rainbow to have more people buy our product. And so it's only using the the rainbow logo as a means to achieve more money. And none of that money is being used in the practiced value. It's only the professed value. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier when you said, um, the, the, there's there's a difference between these companies who slap on a logo and who are actually uh, spending money to and donating to causes. And I think that's just so important. And we see that Hiroshi is a prime example of what that shouldn't look like.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, Hiroshi is, for all intents and purposes, it seems that Future Industries is the Disney or the Tesla of the Avatar universe. Yeah. Um, and This is kind of a bigger question, but is that kind of representation and that kind of allyship better than none at all? Is performative, you know, rainbow capitalism more beneficial than if they didn't? Then, you know, for example, what like Chick Fil A does, which is do not acknowledge pride in any way and not like. I don't know. I feel like it. I I can't speak for anybody but myself, when I say that, I don't know what it would have meant to me as a kid to see even the most performative, uh, cynical gestures that we see from companies around pride.
0: Yeah, I I think for me, and again, I'm only coming from my perspective, I think that it is better than nothing, and it is not enough. It is both at once, right? right? Like I would rather someone have a rainbow logo for a little while than never. Right. And I, because I think that that even that alone is to, let me reshift that. I think that when companies can make money off of pride, I think it shows companies that this is important because I think that our dollars are just as much of a vote as voting at the poll. (laughs) Um, and so when we spend money at Chick-fil-A during pride month, when they don't have pride, what we're saying is we don't care when we spend money at somewhere that does have a pride logo. What we're saying is, Hey, this matters to me. And so I I think where we spend our money matters. And just because, you know, these massive corporations are choosing to do this. I don't think like, it's one of those things where like, I'm going to not spend money there because they're putting up a pride flag I think that's counterintuitive yeah. right it's no right I think, I think we don't spend money if they're putting up a fri- pride flag and they're actively harming the community Definitely. Um, and and sometimes people just don't know so that's why it's you said this earlier but it's important to do to know your stuff and know your research and know the background of these companies that you're spending your money at at which you're spending yeah. your money
1: I was having this discussion with a friend of mine the other day about, you know, it oh well, if you look hard enough, everybody donates to something problematic. And so you just really shouldn't buy anything. And I was like, I don't feel like I feel like that's a real gross oversimplification that yeah, may may help you feel better at the end of the day about you still wanting that Chick-fil-a sandwich. But like it I don't I don't think in The world that we're in, there are companies that you can support that do not do harm, active harm with uh, their money, at least to marginalized communities.
0: And I think what's problematic about that is, frankly, it is more expensive to spend money at those locations often, right? Because, you know, buying money, buying things at Amazon is so cheap, And it is a very predatory business, but people can't afford not to. And I think that acknowledging that is also a part of the problem, right? Where Walmart and Amazon and all of these huge companies that are able to get things for like unreasonably cheap make it Mm -hmm. so that we don't really have a choice to spend money anywhere else if we're on this low income spectrum. And so supporting locally owned businesses that are. BIPOC owned and proud to be prideful and like all of these things cost more. And I think that that's the sacrifice that a lot of us are really struggling with is that it's hard to spend more money uh, when this cheaper option is available, but that's, well, that's
1: the thing. Yeah. What Amazon (laughs) sells is not, you know, anything on their marketplace, what they sell is convenience and shipping like that. Yeah. That, that's what they sell. That is their product. At the end of the day, that's why you go to Amazon before you go to a uh, local brick and mortar uh, small business. And the the accessibility and the convenience, like the the quick shipping, the all in one kind of marketplace idea, and the fact that you can do it all on your phone. Um, yeah, it's and uh, that's a tough that's a tough thing to you know. It's it's tough to do the work. It's tough to do the research and find out who you can support and where your money's going. That is work. But at the end of the day, it's important to do that work. And if, I mean, as we see Mako, Cora, and Bolin eventually do <laughs> discover where Hiroshi's loyalties lie. And, you know, they, they don't maintain, uh... help me to remember in season two, they are still the future industry's fire ferrets, aren't they? Because Hiroshi is ousted and Asami takes over, and
0: I think that's true. I um, I I don't know that I paid attention honestly. I think I want to go rewatch now.
1: <laughs> so they don't, you know, they don't boycott their corporate sponsor. They accept better leadership and promises of being better with that money yeah. going forward. Mm. So yeah. that was the first. Uh, that was actually my second, <laughs> yeah, scene that I was struck by, and it's such an important conversation yeah. that I will continue to have and and to hear people on because I'm so fascinated, uh, particularly with the idea of okay representation versus no representation versus shallow, like yep. all those kind of facets. That yep. that that's what strikes me the most about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then so my initial thoughts as far as a pride moment in avatar in the avatar verse comes from the first series avatar the last airbender uh season two the episode uh, tales of bossing say specifically the toff and katara vignette that is part of that episode um and you know that's the one to sum up real quick for people that may not have watched it in a while or that only watched the Iroh story, because that's the really, 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 <laughs> that's the memorable one from this episode, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Toph and Katara, it's like a spa day for them. Essentially. They, uh, they go, you the, the episode opens with the gang kind of grooming themselves in the mirror, getting ready for the day Aang is shaving his head. Sokka is shaving his face and Katara is uh, like doing her hair, her hair loopies, and then it cuts to Toph, who is just like covered in a layer of dirt, hair is a mess, she like spits into a spittoon at some point, It's, it's all very comedically presented, and Katara decides that the girls are gonna have a spa day. Um, and Toph, you know, throughout the episode, it's she, you know, gets primped and pampered a little bit, and at the end of the episode, she's got, you know, makeup on, and she feels really pretty, and uh, some girls walk by and make some kind of snide Regina George-ish comment about her makeup, and <laughs> then Katara and Toph send them into the river, so that's, that's the little button on the episode, um, and it's a really it's a it it can be very surface level, but my favorite thing about the tales of Bossing Say generally is that they're all about character. This big plot that's happening, you know, at the corruption in Bossing Say and the politics all stops to have these moments to push our characters forward yeah, and show show a life. little bit more about them. Yeah, exactly. And it's you know it's what the beach does for the villains in season exactly. three. It's that yeah. that kind of idea of what makes these people tick, and so. Particularly, what strikes me about this vignette is gender norms, mm, uh, okay. and more specifically, Toff's performative uh, bravado and her performative. Uh, as the episode goes on, you see that this layer of sarcasm and, and uh, more traditionally masculine. Traits and actions that she wraps herself in is a bit of a performance. She, you know, she expresses to Katara at the end of the episode that she does enjoy feeling pretty, that she does like this. Um, and this moment was so important to me. It struck me it's it's definitely one of the first times that I can remember seeing gender norms examined like this Mm -hmm. on a children's network. Uh, you know, by the time that I had was watching Avatar live like I had seen the birdcage or victor victoria that challenged gender in very different ways but this was the first time I had seen media that is mostly designed for children target this idea yeah. explore this idea of gender norms and performative uh aspects of that
0: so I'm hearing from you that from from your perspective toff Toph- in everyday life is performing like more masculine traits when there is this desire almost to feel pretty and live into more feminine traits is that what I'm hearing just to kind of
1: relabel that I feel personally that it was more that she recognizes what my my read on this is she recognizes that she cannot do femininity in the same way that a Katara or somebody like that can she will never be completely at home in that kind of world because of who she is as a person so she instead goes completely other direction mm.
0: yeah and it's just and I think what's notable there is that there's there's choice there right in how you perform gender um mm-hmm. and what we're seeing is due to what I imagine is probably disability, right? Toff's inability to see plays a role in this, right? I can't see, I don't know what makeup does and looks like, I don't, nor do I care because I can't see it. And so- yeah, And I
1: can't really apply it myself. Like, yeah.
0: Just... So it's interesting to me to think about how, because the nature of Toff's identity affects how she chooses to dress and how she chooses to perform gender. And so well, and that she
1: views it as so binary that if you can't yeah. be feminine, then you must be this. And I think it's important. I mean, it was it was now that I think back on it, it's an it's kind of a commentary on the fact that you can do multiple things and you can have a spectrum. And I know that for me, yeah. I as a little gay boy performed masculinity a lot in an attempt to avoid uh bullying and like physical harm to myself. I performed a lot of more traditionally masculine. Uh, behavior. And it's one of the things that I think I'm proudest of myself is that I can embrace this idea that anyone can like anything. It, it is a spectrum. There's not just masculine behavior or feminine behavior, but you can paint your nails and play football or what. Like there's yep. this, all this kind of stereotypes that we're breaking down as we evolve as a society that i think this episode kind of touches on and you know maybe not intentionally but yeah that's what i get
0: i love that and i and i think what we we see this show play with gender performance more than, less explicitly than it is done in this episode and i think uh we see, you know, Korra is very tradition has a lot of masculine qualities. We see Aang has a lot of feminine qualities. There's a there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, gender fluidity that we see that makes these characters so lovely. That uh, without a lens of paying attention to to gender, you don't necessarily notice uh, unless right. you are stuck in a real. Kyoshi defies like, a
1: lot of gender norms.
0: Yes. Absolutely. So what does it say about, you know, about Toph then from your perspective that Toph is performing masculinity to a, to a point. Uh, and then is we see her soften over the course of this episode, literally her voice changes and it gets quieter and softer. We see her adapt to, she starts to wear makeup. She's like this whole shift to, but I also enjoy this. And I'm just curious, like, yeah. what does that, what does it mean to you to see that on screen?
1: Like I kind of touched on a little bit, it was one of the first times I remember seeing this idea of, uh, it, now I have the words to describe it, but at the time I didn't. Now I can say that, you know, it, it does touch on this idea of gender as a spectrum of behaviors that, you know, it, it behaviors do not uh, necessarily like behaviors are not gendered inherently we have gendered them um and you know likes and dislikes and hobbies are not gendered but we have gendered them and I think this episode really it, it this moment for Toff really touches on that for me and it, it reminds me that like she I guess this is a little bit of a separate point but she was sheltered she was literally just locked away from society and the village yep. had no idea she existed. Like it was a rumor that this the Beifong family even had a daughter at all. Um, and that to me also kind of speaks to this idea that queer people often experience, which is, okay, well just don't put it in my face. Don't, yep. you know, like you don't need to be so loud or be so vocal or be so like you don't need to be in my face quote unquote with your preferences quote unquote is what these kind of people tend to say
0: it's the notion of Um, i'm going to tolerate this but i'm not i'm not quite at the point where i can accept
1: this um yeah which is and i think to toff's parents credit and and most I'll speak to my own experience. To Toff's parents' credit, they were doing it because they fear for her safety. Now, I don't think it was the right course of action, but it was motivated by love. Um, My parents, I am very blessed to have a very support, a family that is very supportive of my queerness. Uh, And, you know, like my parents are those people that give out hugs at pride celebrations, you know? Um, But when I wasn't out, when I was a kid, I was still very, I was still pretty obviously queer in some kind of fashion. I have gay voice, I like I did a lot of things that are traditionally feminine. I was very interested in like female pop music and uh, I really wanted to paint my nails and like all this stuff that marked me very obviously as uh, gay for me personally, but they're not inherently gay traits either. Um, And my parents were very concerned for my safety, not that they don't, it wasn't ever motivated by, we don't feel this is right, but they indirectly, their concern for my safety indirectly encouraged me to perform masculinity, to put on this mask and, and hide different aspects of myself. For my own safety, you know? Yeah. And obviously, that's not as extreme as what Toff's parents have done, but it's that kind of idea to hide this person to keep them safe. Well, and I think that's,
0: uh, I think that is worth naming in terms of phobia, right? In terms of fear. And so, in this case, it's not necessarily fear of, right? Literal fear of, uh, you know, being my child is gay, I'm scared that my child is gay. It's it's I'm scared what will happen because my child is gay. And that's still a type yeah, of fear of the right? societal
1: response. Yeah. Right.
0: And so I, I think labeling like homophobia and being clear about the when when we talk about what is homophobic. This is a response that is homophobic and not in the sense of like, I hate. It's it's the difference between calling someone like, hey, you're a racist. And also like this racism exists in our world and it is systemic and it is bigger than us. Right. And like, hey, you're a homophobe versus this is rooted in homophobic behavior. Right. And rooted in homophobia. And thinking about how we can label that and really address it is uh, a pretty important aspect to think about. So I I appreciate you kind of lifting up this this distinction between the two. Oh, wow. This has been a really fruitful conversation. No pun intended.
1: I do have one last thing I want to say about this section of this episode, which is the the last, and it'll be quick, but the... the the moment where the mean girls are immediately able to cut in on Toph's joy and her vulnerability when she is like finally expressing that like, oh, I do feel pretty. Oh, I do see the appeal of like this, this kind of, this, I do see the appeal of this side of human behavior. And the mean girls make one comment and it's immediate you could just see it and kudos to the animators kudos to Jessie flower for performing this I, it's just a beautiful moment where she just gets very soft and very quiet and she's just like they can't hurt me i know who i am but you feel the hurt like you feel yeah. it you see it you feel it and it and of course that's why we enjoyed the moment where guitarists and Katara send these girls into the river because like they're not hurt, but they are wet and their makeup is ruined and their hair is ruined and their clothes yep. are ruined. Ha ha win. Uh what I would yeah. have given to send my elementary school bullies into a river with bending. Yeah. I and
0: again, it just it it, it speaks to the power of power of words, right? And how what we say matters, but also having literal power, the ability to bend and to defend yourself also matters, right? And when mm-hmm. people have neither, right, neither the language nor the, the physical power and ability to do something, we see that oppression turn into mental health issue and really uh, unfortunate responses that way. And that's why, uh, so many mental health risks are significantly higher among the queer community. So yeah, I just, I thank you for kind of pointing, pointing us in that direction too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we've had a, like a lovely conversation about all kinds of stuff now, um, yeah. I, like, I want to kind of venture into this kind of final segment of our episode, which is I would love to hear and focus our, you know, how we end. We end on gratitude and hearing one character in the Avatar verse that you're thankful for. And it might be from this scene, it might be from the whole Avatar verse at large, but uh, maybe i'll stop there who is someone that you are grateful for from the avatar verse in light of our conversation today
1: in light of our conversation today i am grateful for asami sato Mm. uh okay and i'm grateful for her because as we kind of talked about and Gosh, I hope we're not mistaken on this. But in season two, the firefighters keep the future industries branding. And we see that Asami is in charge of the company now. And presumably, as as far as we see in the show, trying to be better and do better with the yeah. money, with the power, with the with the with her company, with what their company is doing.
0: Yeah, the integrity of their business practices.
1: Right. Mm.
0: I love it. Wow, I'm grateful for Asami too. That's just I'm I'm Asami's gonna for
1: so many reasons, this. but yeah. that one specifically today.
0: <laughs> yeah, here, here. Okay, well, this has been a lovely, lovely episode with you. Just to kind of break down and learn. Wait, who talk. are
1: you grateful for?
0: Oh, I haven't been sharing with all these recordings, but I guess I can share quickly. Uh, my, I think the in light of our conversation today i am grateful that katara was willing to take Toth on this adventure and let her explore this different side of herself that she hasn't had an opportunity to explore because i i'm i'm sure that there were people who wanted to do this for her at the Beifong estate that i'm sure her parents were like let me dress you up really pretty and she was just like i don't want to deal with this because it wasn't worth it but for some reason she said yes to katara um we don't right. see her wearing makeup when Aang finds her in her beifong dress on the estate right we we don't see that on her face but when she goes with katara on this little adventure she decides to try everything out and i think it's because she trusts Katara, and I think that the relationship that she has built over time and just Katara's willingness to, to do this and be that person for Toph really matters. So I'm grateful for Katara in light of our conversation today.
1: I agree, I love that. Mm.
0: okay. Well, uh, that kind of brings us to the end and, you know, it's just sad, but so it goes. Um, As we go find you on... yeah if uh people want to find you and you want them to find you also how would you want them to do so
1: uh you can find me on all social channels on at candid underscore cameron like candid camera but cameron uh because that's my name uh feel free to find me on those channels i am uh i'm on all of them and uh, i guess if you want to find me that's where You can follow posts of my dog and my crazy house projects (laughs) that I'm still doing. All those things. Love
0: it. All right. You heard it folks. Candid underscore Cameron to find Cameron. You can also find us at BNB underscore pod on all the things. Uh, Join our Facebook group and have a conversation about uh, all these things that you're listening to on the podcast. We'd love to have you. Uh, But other than that, you
1: can find me on that Facebook group also. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Just join us there.
0: All right. Well, in that case, I am thinking that this is the end. So uh, thank you again, Cameron. And until next time, be well
1: and do good. Thank you. You too.